3: On your mind. she's getting
2: really not afraid to feel so soul soul, just let it flow no one can do it quite like it's time for Caroline.
4: this episode of get real podcast was so much fun I did it with one of my best friends of all time Jen Wayne we have been friends for over a decade we have done so much stuff together From writing songs, we were in a trio, stealing angels together. We did The Amazing Race twice together. Season 22, where we got fourth place. Season 24, we went back for All Stars and we got second place. We talk all about all of our, our journey together. <laughs> we talk about stories from The Amazing Race, we talk about music, we talk about failing, succeeding, how you overcome, how you keep going. And now Jen is in the hit trio, Runaway June. It's an all-female trio and they have a top 10 song. By the time you hear this podcast though, it's probably going to be a top five song because it's killing the charts. It's called Buy My, Own G- Buy My Own Drinks. And Jen is just all about perseverance, Staying strong, not giving up. And it's so inspiring and so much fun to have this conversation. So get excited. Here's Jen Wayne. Hello, hello. Hi. (laughs) I'm here with Jen Wayne. What's going on, Jen?
3: I'm just staring at your baby bump, just in awe. (laughs) I mean... It's big. I mean, it's beautiful.
4: By the time this episode airs, I will probably have a child. Isn't that
3: crazy? Yes, that is crazy. And for all the listeners, Caroline and I have known each other forever. So to I see mean, you with many the baby. How years have we known each other? Like 14
4: yes.
3: or 15 maybe. A long time.
4: I mean, I've known you since the day you moved to Nashville pretty much because you yes because you moved into
3: a house that you found on craigslist oh my god and beth wait (laughs) beth cooper potter now you were driving you were going to forever 21 still my favorite store and you were like about to break up with your boyfriend you didn't know how to break up with (laughs) them i'll never forget that sounds about right
4: hot mess i mean i think we met i was like 23 and you were like 24 or 25 24 24 and now i'm Actually, oh, I think I met when
3: I was 23 and you were 22.
4: Do you speak your age out loud? Yes. Okay, great. just a grand old 37. I'm a grand old 36. <laughs> <laughs> so we have known each other for like 13 years. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember hearing through the grapevine, because I had moved here to Nashville from Texas, small town girl, to be a country music singer, and... my friend from college Beth was like got this house on Craigslist and she's like yeah John Wayne's granddaughter is moving from California and she with her chihuahua with her chihuahua and she's gonna live with me and I'm like At that point, I was like, why aren't you going to live in a mansion? Like, you know, you're John Wayne's granddaughter. You should be living somewhere like, uh, uh, don't you have like a mansion and a limousine service and all sorts of stuff? I wish. (laughs) That would have been cool. But instead, you moved into a house with like six girls and you lived in a closet, basically. One girl lived in a tent in the backyard.
3: No, Yeah, no, I had a room. So what happened was, for everyone listening, um, I rented from this girl who said, it was going to be me and her and my one dog and I get there and she had literally rented every crevice of the house out. <laughs> she rented the sunroom out, the closet out, the attic out. There was a girl living in a tent in the backyard. <laughs> like an extension
4: cord to yes. the house so she had a fan in there or something? Like a
3: TV I think or something. It was just so crazy <laughs> and like all these dogs that remember Rebecca and her dog oh too? Oh
4: my god. Oh her dog was so scared of everything. <laughs> I know.
3: So yeah, that was uh, my first Nashville experience. So I met you like literally right when you moved to town. Yeah. The day. I think it was the day. The day. Because I remember you were driving in that car. And we were both kind of shy. And so
4: we sort of started like linking up trying to do music together. Like kind of almost instantly-ish. Yeah. No,
3: instantly. We started writing together. But you had a deal. You had a record deal when you moved to town. Oh my God. With yeah, Merv Griffin. I yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, hey, listen, project. if you don't know Mer
4: Griffin started like Wheel of Fortune, right?
3: Yes, Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune. He was like the first late night talk show guy. He was like before Johnny Carson. And he he's had the your Griffin show. Godfather? He was like like a godfather. He wasn't my godfather, but he just like was like a grandpa to me, you know? He was so sweet. And he wrote the theme song for Jeopardy. And he had a number one song in the country. With, like, lovely bunch of coconuts. <laughs> you wrote that song? Yeah. I've got a, a lovely, lovely bunch, bunch of coconuts, coconuts. <laughs> diddly-dee. No, he did not. Yes. No, that was him singing, too. is Isn't that crazy? Yeah. He was, like, so talented. What a creative brain to write that strange song. I know. I love that. And the Jeopardy theme
4: song? Yeah. Yeah. So, he was pretty awesome. That's amazing. Okay, so you moved to town because you were in California. And then how did you decide to move to Nashville?
3: Well, I always wanted to be a songwriter. Yes. And... So I just knew that the best songwriters in the world were here and I kind of like tried to do it a little bit in LA and I would write with people, you know, here and there, but I just knew that if I wanted to be the best, I had to be around people that were the best and I was definitely not even close (laughs) to being the best. So um, I moved here and if I would have known how hard it was then, I would have never moved. I mean, I was so naive. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just, and I should have quit probably so many times. Oh. I don't know why I kept going, but I just kept going. <laughs> no, you should not have <laughs> No, <played>. seriously. <laughs> you know.
4: <laughs> well, you know, I think that's one thing that happens in this musical entertainment journey is it doesn't happen right away. No. And you've really got to want it because if you don't want it, you're not going to get it because no. this town can swallow you life, even though it's so wonderful. It will so weed, wonderful, weed
3: you out. <laughs>
4: everyone's kind and loving and it's an amazing community, but... You've got to want it. You got to kick butt, and you got to stay with it.
3: Yeah. Well, it's so weird because se sorry, if you guys hear uh, like a, a hard breathing, that's it's my a dog giant Chihuahua. That's
4: my Chihuahua <laughs> Blue. Last time I saw him, he was this tiny little thing, and he is so he's,
3: big. Now. He's had a few dog bones in he, his life. He's love to eat. Uh, <laughs> he's so cute. Um, oh. But you know what's really weird is some people move to town, and it happens like that. Like some people, it just happens so fast, and then some people it takes forever. And I think you have to, like, not, not get caught up in worrying about the people that made it so fast. Cause I feel like I got, had a little bit of that for like five years. I'm like, all my friends are making it. All the people I've grown up with are all successful now, and I'm still at the very beginning, you know? And it's hard to, like, not compare yourself to that or not look at that and be like, shoot, you know, why aren't I there? You just kind of have to focus on yourself and just keep going. And
4: comparison is the, thief of joy no is that what that quote is comparison is the thief of joy or something like oh, that. oh
3: i've never heard that but
4: yeah so w- tell me a little bit about your journey so tell me how it all went break it down for me tell me and also for everyone listening jen was a professional tennis player <laughs> what for all y'all being the b- keyword <laughs> before she became a hit singer songwriter she was a professional tennis player before so you have many talents
3: well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> was is the, definitely the keyword you there. You still got it. You still got it, girl. Um. Well, so I moved to town with that deal, and we made a record with Carl Jackson and because you love blue bluegrass, bluegrass, bluegrass. Yeah, I loved it, and we it was kind of a bluegrass record. Um. But unfortunately, Merv passed away before it was done, so the deal kind of just faded, and um. I so i was like okay i've got to figure something else out and i remember i got this manager and she was madonna's manager and she was awesome Carice. but she yes crease but she uh lived in la and she didn't really know nashville and she's like okay let's just do a showcase And i had played like five live shows in my life <laughs> i didn't know what i was doing and so she set up this huge showcase at every 12th and label Porter. every label in town was there there were news crews there <laughs> like people were waiting outside the door and I was so and you had a lot green of too
4: because you're John Wayne's granddaughter too, so yeah. and you're gorgeous. And Thank so you. everyone was curious, like, "What is this going to be like?" And it was
3: very bad. <laughs> it was not. Bad. It was very bad, and I, it was crazy though because you have to fall sometimes. Like I fell so hard that night. Like I thought I did well, and then I got passed by every single label. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" And I just remember like wanting to just move home and. Thought. Like, I can never show my face in this town again. Like, everybody knows I failed. Everybody passed on me. Like, I can't I can't stay here. And I don't know why I did stay here. I think I just was so stubborn. How
4: do you deal with moments like that? When you feel like you've really put yourself out there, you're super vulnerable and exposed, and like you said, you felt like you had failed. Obviously, it's yeah. not a failure because it all led to where you are now. But at the time, it felt like... And
3: it was a failure at the time, which it, is okay.
4: It's okay. Yeah. How do you decide that you're going to show your face again? Like, what do you tell yourself in those moments?
3: I Honestly, I don't know. I just remember going home and just bawling, crying. <laughs> my best friend, Dre, was with me, and we, like, went out and had sushi, and I think I drank all the sake in the world that <laughs> night. <laughs> uh, but I think I, like, cried for probably a week of just, like, how am I going to show my face again? And I don't really remember what the moment was, but I do remember my mom calling me and saying that my grandpa, who's John Wayne – and you know one of the most famous people in the world and he didn't really become a star till he was in his 50s he he did over 270 movies and he really didn't come into his you know huge stardom till later in life she was like so don't give up like you're 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 just doing it the hard way and so I just stayed (laughs) and that's when honestly you and I started writing a lot and you were kind of in a position where you were super talented but you were kind of afraid to put yourself oh, out there totally afraid and so i think it was just easier to do it together <laughs> yeah. you know it, i think that's like for me always been super helpful to have friends and support yes. and like doing something together with someone it's like you give each other the strength so totally. i think that's what we did for each other and
4: we locked in and yeah it was fun too it was
3: awesome and then Taylor, we had a little God. wild child.
4: And Taylor, who's Loretta Lynn's granddaughter, hopped on board. Yeah. Kept everything spicy.
3: And she taught. I feel like both of us a lot because she just had no inhibition. She'd get out on stage and she was just fearless. Like fearless, and I was all fear. <laughs> <laughs> so I think she like really taught us how to be a performer. And that how aspect just of
4: it to get out of our shell because like yeah. in interviews she was so sometimes too real and too raw, <laughs> but it taught us how to be honest and how to activate that part of ourselves instead of just being so nervous that everything had to be perfect yeah because I think we saw with her that people really responded to her outrageous realness
3: yeah and putting ourselves out there putting ourselves out there yeah
4: yeah it was like boot camp I feel and our band was called stealing angels I feel like even though it didn't pan out it was the greatest thing that
3: could have happened for all three of us yeah
4: just to prepare us for this entertainment
3: journey totally and that's like looking back now 37 (laughs) it took a long time to get here but like every single moment every single failure every single thing you did leads up to where you are now like you wouldn't have the tools to be where you are now if you hadn't have done that you know
4: and you really believe that
3: Oh, hundred percent. With Stealing Angels, I mean I learned so much from you girls being on stage and then radio. I like met so many radio people, which got you and I our next job being on the other side of the music business.
4: Oh yeah, tell us about that.
3: Well, so Caroline and I God. we just really don't we just don't give up. We know uh, But uh, we there was a label and they hired us to be promotion a promotion team together a duo
4: which they promotion is the one that goes around promoting artists to 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 radio radio people across the country
3: and he hired so us switch be- sides yeah switch sides we got on the other side which is so important to learn the other side of the bu- music that was business crimeless. yeah and they hired us because caroline and i knew radio from being in a band they were like this is interesting we've never no one's ever really done this before they've never heard it hired an artist to be on this side and we did really well and together. disclaimer
4: for everyone listening there's only always one regional yeah. per region But Jid and I were like, we're not doing it if you don't hire us together. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, we're not going to go on the road and talk to all these radio PDs who we love. But like we've been used to being together in a trio or like us just working together like we're not doing this solo it's yeah it's too lonely out there on the road it's
3: too hard it's too hard and also we knew we were good so we're like we knew we, he, he wanted to hire us and we're like this is the deal you're, you're hiring us or both, both or not
4: man that was fun we got a company card <laughs> that
3: company card that was that was the real deal <laughs>
4: i've never had a company card before i was like oh Ooh, we're, 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 we're highfalutin <laughs>
3: Oh my gosh, that's so funny! I know. And
4: Jen, you're and like the responsible one. So Jen was always one like super organized and like plan everything out. And I felt like I was always like the little sister,
3: <laughs> but we had such a good dynamic. I know we did because you brought me out of my shell. Like you made me kind of more exciting, where I would be the boring one. <laughs> you were like not boring. Um, but we totally uh, passed a whole another world that you and I did big world, which was amazing race.
4: That was a defining moment. Yeah, I mean, all this is defining moment, but that was like. That was crazy because it took us to a whole nother stratosphere.
3: Yeah. And also when our band broke up. um, The
4: Stealing Angels broke up because Taylor got knocked up.
3: And she wanted to be a mommy. Yeah. And
4: that
3: was kind of like. Came to a screeching halt, and Caroline and they were like, halt. "What are we going to do with our lives?"
4: Like Taylor got pregnant, moved to Seattle. She's still married to her husband John,
3: and has the two cutest boys. And, and in now the world. she's
4: like doing a tribute band to Loretta, and she ha- and Conway Twitty's uh, grandsons doing it with her. And she's like on cloud nine, loves her life, found her yeah. niche. Like it's awesome. She found her spot. Yeah. But, yeah, it came to a screeching halt, halt. And you and I were like, what are we going to do with our lives? Yeah.
3: We felt, like, the same way I think my showcase felt like we're, like, it all just came crashing down. Like, we failed. Like like, from
4: one day to the next. We lost our yeah. deal. We lost. I lost my publishing deal. I don't know if you lost yours. No, you still had your – but, like, lost everything.
3: Yeah. It was crazy. And uh, Amazing Race just happened like out of the blue. I think like a month later, some crazy—I I don't. know. It's just so weird. But they were looking for two country singers, that's not a god. Caroline and I didn't know what we were going to do, and that came to us. Just fell into our laps like, out yes, of the please. blue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're like, do you oh want my to gosh. Do this? We're like, uh huh. Yes. Little did we know what we were getting into. They were like, oh, it's a traveling show because I had never seen it. Me you just either. travel around the world and do fun things. I'm like, yeah, great. Let's we had do no it. idea how difficult. tell me your
4: take on amazing race what was your experience like and what did you think about that
3: i mean it was unbelievable it was amazing for lack of a better word um but just being able to travel the world and see it the way we did like there's so many things that we would have never done on our own like i would never go to sri lanka or you know malaysia or wherever and so i just felt like we got an experience that we would have never gotten without that show but
4: sri lanka where you made an outfit in the sweatshop
3: that was Malaysia. Malaysia. Or China. Oh, yeah. Maybe. I don't I mean, remember. Like that, How crazy
4: is that? Like, we went to a sweatshop. I know. And you made clo- uh, an outfit.
3: Yeah. And you got to see, like, what that really looks like. Like, what a sweatshop in Asia and mm-hmm. a third world country looks like. And it's crazy.
4: That was what was so cool about Amazing Race is it puts you in the environment. Like, mm-hmm. you're not just, like, a tourist. You are, like, in real life a- environments that are happening in that culture.
3: Yeah. And you know, also, for you guys listening, you don't have any money, like you just have the money that they give you per leg, and so to like be at an airport and not be able to just buy a bottle of water, just simple things that you would normally not even think about. It's not even about being rich, it's just being able to buy a bottle of water, yeah, to not be able to do that is like it just really kind of put things in perspective of how how lucky we are. That's, that was a lot of my take on it.
4: What were some of your favorite places that we went to and some of your favorite experiences and favorite teams?
3: Oh, well, okay. Favorite teams. <laughs> we loved the Cowboys. Oh, they were so Loved strange. the Globe Trotters. I know. Um, Dave and Connor were the best.
4: And they were the father-son duo who beat us. Oh the end. That's They're all like we got. Four seconds. We got second place. We should we should have beat them. <laughs> it was fine. If we were gonna lose to anyone, it was yeah. Fine. And they were both cancer survivors, which was awesome. They're
3: awesome. They're amazing. <clears throat> I think those are my those are my favorite teams. Mm-hmm. Um my favorite experiences. Well well, Switzerland, I think, was just so beautiful. Like yeah. that cheese thing was just not my favorite experience. So what that is, but, what
4: that one was was, oh. I was I always call myself the man of our relationship. She was the brawn. Jen was my damsel, and we had these like forty pound, fifty pound, fifty pound wheels of cheese that we had to haul up a mountain of snow it's here jen and i two girls not huge girls at all no and there's these big guys that were they're doing the exact same challenge as us yeah same weight of cheese i mean it's like you get no advantages no it's all the same for everybody
3: the physical part we get it's tougher for women i feel like
4: so we had to haul these bales of cheese up to this snow-filled mountain Load them up on a sled and then get them to go down the mountain and they're like falling the bales are falling
3: And off. when the cheese falls off it sinks into the snow. Like it's not like it just falls off on grass. Like you have to like dig down in the snow to get it out. And it's like she's Caroline's like, Come on Chin, come on Chin, you can do it. I'm like, I wanna go home. (laughs) I want some wine. I wanna eat the cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh.
4: We hung in there. No one thought we were gonna hang in there. And I think that was our greatest advantage. Yeah. Do you think so?
3: oh, 100%, and, and no one thought we could do it.
4: Everyone was like, oh, let's keep Jen and Caroline around because we can beat them at the yeah. end. So let's keep them in the game. It kind of yeah. worked to our
3: advantage. Totally. And we worked it. <laughs>
4: and then, um, was that, I don't know which, because we did two seasons, season 24 and then All-Stars, season 22 and then All-Stars 24. So I might be mixing up the seasons. But one time, the Cowboys had an express pass. And how did you sweet talk him into that? That was
3: my theory. I'm like, (laughs) listen, so an express pass, but tell him
4: the challenge because I was losing my mind. Oh
3: my gosh. Caroline was having to put together a car (laughs) A big, big, like toy car, and it was the directions were in Chinese, and she doesn't like putting stuff together <laughs> but to Jin, begin with.
4: Before, dude was like, No, you love this. I you thought you it. did, and I realized <laughs> that
3: was my mom.
4: I, was like, I hate assembling. What are you talking about? I'm the world's worst.
3: Ew, oh my God. <laughs> and I'm terrible too. So, oh my poor Caroline. It was, I'm, that was that challenge was a nightmare <laughs> and so Caroline's just breaking down she's like crying oh, yeah. and I'm just watching her and everyone's breezing through it and I'm like we're gonna lose like we're gonna get eliminated she's having a breakdown and I'm like I have to get the express pass or we lose
4: and the express pass means you get to bypass that challenge and yeah the cowboys had one for themselves and then they had to give one to another team
3: yeah and they could give it to whoever they want at any time and so I just went there and I just I started working it, it. On. but my my reasoning was I'm like listen we are not a threat you know we're going to use it right here so it it will never be a threat to you in the future because
4: they're already done.
3: They're already done. They were already, already going to win the leg, and I'm like, we're going to waste it right now, and we're the worst team. <laughs> so if we're not a competition for anybody, so you might as well give it to us rather than the, one of the good teams that and could beat it at the you end guys. And it's close. Yeah, it's
4: actually. Not a lot. No, I know. It's that's very. I was, I was very honest.
3: Well, you got <laughs> and it. And it worked. And you got it. I'll never forget your face <laughs> when I gave it to you. You were just so thankful. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to put that thing together. Oh my god! Because
4: uh, I was like, "We're. This is where it's over. This yeah, is where
3: we die." I know. Mm-hmm. I knew it too. I saw it. You knew it.
4: <laughs> oh, but Jen, that's one thing. When you get in the zone, you can get in the zone. Like when you know you got to get something done and drop the hammer I'll drop it you'll drop it yeah you're, it's, it's <laughs> we were a good team because <laughs> I don't I'm not really as good at dropping the hammer like I'm kind of start. a little more assertive it feels like in life sometimes on a regular basis yeah but you're sort of
3: in the beginning. Yes. But then, and then I lose it at the end. end. <laughs> I'm like the slow snail, but like I just won't stop.
4: And then when you really got to lay it down, you get a look in your eyes. <laughs> I mean, you get focused. It is happening. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> and we got it. And we kept going.
3: What were your, like, what was one of your favorite?
4: Um, you know, I loved getting to see the different cultures. Like you're saying, it was so cool to go to Sri Lanka and like ride in those little yeah. tuk tuks, which are like little crazy. crazy Cars that are going everywhere. And I don't know how people don't get their heads no lanes. chopped off. Because people are just sticking their heads out. And cars are running yeah. right
1: next to
3: them. And there's no like no lanes or no um, uh, pattern. Yeah. <laughs> like It's just all wild. It's wild. I don't know how they don't wreck every day. I know. I know. But to
4: see that culture was amazing. I loved going to Africa.
3: I loved going to Africa, and too. And we got
4: to stay in a cool place.
3: Too. And that night when we got to, um, the Bushmen asked us to do their little ritual. Like with the, by the dance fire. by the fire with their babies <laughs> and stuff. It was unbelievable. That it, was so cool. I
4: remember thinking to myself after Amazing Race, like it changed me in the way that just seeing so much of the world and getting to have so much intimate, ex- so many intimate experiences with like, with cultures and the yeah. people in those cultures. It opened my eyes so much to realizing that there are so many ways to live life mm-hmm. and so many ways to be happy and <laughs> like you get ours
3: isn't the only way or the right way you know
4: like, you get stuck in your life here sometimes which we have it's amazing lives yeah. and it's awesome to live in america it's the greatest country i think and i know you yes, feel the same way One hundred but it's like it, it was just so it opened me up so much i'm like there's so many ways to go through this life
3: i know all the colors yeah like even the dance that we learned and was it sri oh, lanka where like, was that one i think that was sri lanka right or is that spain no that's another dance, but the dance where we had to like twirl I was having to twirl the thing like plates and, on your head. Yeah. <laughs> one person had to roll two plates on the head and and dance and the other one had to do one and so I took the I took the, I took that for the team. <laughs> oh but like gosh. all the colors, there's so many beautiful colors in the world, you know like all the just outfits and the different. Cultures is amazing.
1: We
4: were really good teammates, I have to say. We were.
3: We never, like, obviously, we got so frustrated with each other because it's impossible not to, but we never, like, went below the belt. We never really fought. We just got frustrated. We just get intense sometimes. Yeah. But, like, other teams would break down and they would fight and yell, and we just, like, yeah. And we held it together the whole time. Tell that
4: one story when we're running, like, it's towards the pit stop. I think it's, like, in Berlin or it's in Ireland. And we're both running, and I'm telling, or in those cobblestone streets, and I'm telling you to go one direction, and you're telling me to go the other, and I'm like, "No, Jin, you're wrong." Edinburgh. <laughs> and I'm like, "Jin, you're wrong. This is the wrong way." Wait, what did I say? And you I go, said, we're both wrong. Yeah we're both wrong and we're both going the wrong way So drop it
3: (laughs) we started laughing
4: because you were convinced you're right i was convinced i was right and i was trying and i get stubborn too and i was like trying to like beat it in your head that i was right
3: you're like we're both wrong (laughs) but that got you you finally were like yep we are we're both wrong yeah but we i will say remember when we were in oh gosh I don't know where it was. I think it was England actually. And we were driving and you like you, the car kind of broke down because
4: I had the parking brake on.
3: Yeah. <laughs> driving on the highway. And she's driving a stick shift on the left side Which of the I road. I just learned how to drive a month before we go yeah. on the show. Yeah. And the the stick is on your left hand. So it's not yeah. even just the other side, the whole thing is different. And I just remember thinking, "Oh my god, if you ever want to know if you should marry a person, just go." Drive a stick shift in traffic in London, lost, and see if you guys can still get along out there. Did you, if you can marry pass me that, that test? I think you could like pass anything. Did I pass your marriage test? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Barely. I mean, I kind of broke down. <laughs> no, um, but like to to me doing the directions, you driving, we were both like, it was impossible. And yeah. to like be able to still communicate and like not totally lose it on each other that in that stressful of a situation is like I've thought okay that's got to be the test that's the marriage test we did really good I mean I feel like because
4: you and I decided ahead of time that we were always going to assume the best in each other Mm -hmm. because I knew you wanted to win just as much as I did but we have like our physical limitations that are going to pop up and circumstances and we always just assumed even like if we really mad inside and wanted to like lose it we never did because we're like okay I know that person I know she's doing the best she can and then next time it's gonna be me yeah who's gonna need the grace
3: yeah and I feel like we both did really well with like keeping each other lifted like when we were stressed out or having a bad like when I was the very first episode when I was stuck in the sand for 800 (laughs) hours you were just so nice you were just like it's okay Jen you can do it like you're so positive and I I just for
4: you because you couldn't find the
3: ticket. <laughs> I know. It was so hot and it was just a luck thing. And then by the time they started rebuilding the sandcastles, they were building it on different, putting it back on a different place. So it was impossible. We so were just, basically
4: it was in Bora, Bora And the first challenge was there was all of these sandcastles in gin. like 500, 500. And there was a few of ne- uh, clues under them. Yeah. So you had to dig each one up. And if you didn't find a clue, you had to rebuild it.
3: And so you were, and it was hot. The sand was not. You had to pack the sand, and it was hot and dry. So I had to go to the ocean and get like water to pack the sand. I mean, each building, each sandcastle took five minutes, right? And like you at did least that for
4: hours. Finally, we got down to three teams at the end. It was us, <sighs> Max, and Katie, and then firefighters. The firefighters, and we did something that had never really happened in Amazing Race history. We called. A, we all decided that we were gonna. What was
3: it? Take a penalty? Yeah. And so... Because all of us knew it wasn't going to be impossible to find the the ticket. The sandcastles were put on different places, so we couldn't... It was impossible.
4: And everyone had been out there for hours, and so... Okay, then explain what happened next.
3: So we agreed to take a penalty, and from that point on, it was just like a race to the to the finish line, and whoever loses is out, is eliminated. It was the first episode of our entire like the, the first, first show.
4: We're like, oh great, we're getting out first. We're going to be,
3: and if you don't make it, that's the only time you're ever aired on TV. Yes. And so we were like, I cannot believe this is happening. And, then and you, you don't had get to, to go g- to any
4: of the other countries. You missed the whole. Yeah. Experience. You missed everything.
3: Yeah. And so we. From that sandcastle on, we had to sprint to make a uh, canoe Canoe by ourselves to <laughs> girls. Everyone else had guys on their team and like tie it together and get the bamboo and make the canoe yourself and then canoe a mile and a half to the finish line. And we were against men, firefighters. And an ocean. <laughs> and like I had never current. canoed before. <laughs> yeah. And I was so tired because I'd oh, been in the sand yes. for like 11 hours. I had nothing left. And so the fact that we out... Canoed the firefighters. As, I have no
4: idea because they fell, they tipped. They tipped. Thank God they tipped. Yeah,
3: and we balanced and stayed up, and you just you carried us t- till the end because I had nothing left.
4: Well, I found something in me that I never have had since Amazing Race and might not ever have again, <laughs> which is a sense of a reserve energy that I didn't know I had, and I hadn't been building for eleven hours. But yeah. like when it came to Amazing Race and it came to like getting stuff done, you were just on I it. wanted. I didn't. I was not going to let a physical tiredness stop me and that is not how I am in real life because I will stop in real life you know but I was like okay we gotta go we gotta get there like we got to stay I, I think I want I haven't wanted something that badly
3: yeah well and it's a competition like it's, yeah. it, you feel like you're kind of in the hunger games out there like yeah. it's, it, you it wants becomes to get real home. yeah
4: no never that was the most torturous fate that could have happened
3: but you just but you, you stayed
4: with it too Jen I
3: did too but you really powered us through <laughs> that and we somehow out canoed the firefighters in a mile and a half yeah long canoe ride after building sandcastles in 100 degree heat for eight hours
4: and we lived to see another day we made it all the way to the final season finale yeah we got to go to every country but how good does food taste after you work so hard like that in a physical challenge and
3: sleep and sleep like i don't i never had a problem falling asleep oh no i could sleep for i could just close my eyes and i'd fall asleep and today it takes me like an hour to fall asleep uh-huh. <laughs> yeah that was being that exhausted helped
4: no i'm so grateful
1: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: You know, what a blessing. And it came around at the perfect time of our life. It did. Because we both kind of thought everything was over.
3: And it gave us kind of like a new um, sense of ourselves. Like we can do anything. We can literally do anything we put our mind to. Yeah. You what know? did you
4: take away from it all? Like what was your big, what was your gathering from all of it?
3: I mean, I just thought two girls that Should have been eliminated on the first episode of the first time they did it. And they ended up going all the way both times, losing the second time by four seconds. All these other teams that are so much stronger than us, we beat. And it was just awesome. We was like mental. We like mentally persevered and we did it. And it was awesome.
4: What did you learn about mental being? What did you learn mentally? Like, what? What did you take away from that? Because there were teams that were stronger than us, and there were teams yeah. that were better than us. so but if, if being a mental game, what did you
3: realize with all that? That's everything. Yeah, I mean, it really is. you can either you can make or break yourself with your mind. yeah, <laughs> you know you can keep yourself going. your mind's the the thing that's telling your body to keep going. It's not your physical thing first you know you just gotta keep keep at it, and I feel like that just showed you so much like mind over matter, mind over matter, and we did it.
4: You're really good at not getting flustered. Like, even if you get flustered for a second, you're really good at pulling it back together. Do you think yeah. that's from being an athlete, or what do you think that's from, or is it just your personality?
3: I think all well, my parents' divorces. <laughs> How many divorces have you lived like through? eight or something Between crazy? Your mom and <laughs> yeah. No, I do think like I always have had to be the one to keep it together, and just like even in every situation I find myself in, I'm always kind of like
4: because you don't really let yourself fall apart.
3: No. Every now
4: and then you'll have a moment, but it is rare. Yeah.
3: It's a, I think I'm mentally pretty tough, (laughs) but I do drink wine, so that helps.
4: (laughs) So do you think it started as a kid?
3: Yeah. I think just like being tossed around in families like that. And I was the oldest, so I had to take care of my brother and sister. And I think, you know, and they, my brother kind of had struggled with it. So if I didn't keep it together, who would he have? So I just kind of had to. And I think that's how it just. Was my whole life, and then like moving to Nashville, I had nobody, no family here, and so I just had to kind of be my own, my own strength.
4: <laughs> but what has your mind wanted to do? Because like, what has made your mind be strong? What is the goal that your mind says be strong for?
3: I guess I've never thought about that. That's a really good question. <laughs> for, probably for myself, like believing in myself, and I think because you've had things that you you
4: have known that you've wanted to become and achieve things your whole life. Yeah. You've always had high expectations for yourself.
3: Yeah. And I always know I can do it, but there's also that kind of thing in the back of your head. That's like, no, you can't do it. Or like, no, you're not good enough. And so that's a battle of like battling that going, no, actually I can do it. Like, and I can work hard and I can do it and I can do anything I put my mind to. And so I think that that's, um, something for myself. I just know work hard, be nice to people and you just persevere don't give up you know When did you, you could want- you could be not the most talented person which is me and oh. but seriously you could like you could be the most talented person in the world and never make it because you're not mentally strong and you and you give up maybe one day before you get the record deal the next day you know i just feel like people give up too soon
4: when did you realize that being mentally strong and working hard was the answer
3: well <laughs> All my life and tennis too. That like really. Your helped. dad's a
4: professional tennis coach. Who did he? Yeah, he's
3: like Jimmy Connors, and he's yeah. amazing.
4: He, he was Jimmy Jimmy Connors' coach. Yeah,
3: yeah. um Tennis because even if I was losing and even if the girl was a better player, I knew that if I stuck in there, I mentally beat so many people. You were <laughs> and like, I'm not even kidding. That's how I won a lot of my matches. I what just, would you
4: do in your head? What is it goes just, on in there? Like
3: I wouldn't give up, and like I would change my game. A lot of people don't like slices. This is all tennis talk. But I just figured out what would make the other person fall apart. And I wouldn't give up. And so there, I really feel like I mentally won a lot of my matches because I just wouldn't give up. So God. that's kind of what so I think you started So when you feel yourself
4: it. spiraling or, get, or hearing that voice in your head saying you're not good enough, you can't do this, what do you do to flip it? Because you obviously flip it. How do you flip it?
3: I think having faith in God for me is like the main thing. Um, how do you
4: know that you're good enough to flip it? Like for people who don't like
3: um, you don't, I mean, you know, you're good enough inside your guts telling you you're good enough. You're all, everybody's good enough. We're, we all have so you that. Know that deep down that
4: you're good enough. Yeah. I believe that. Yes.
3: You trust your gut. And, but I do think that there's so many, you know, people that are telling you you're not, or you're failing or you haven't made it yet or whatever. And For me, like having faith in God, just going, okay, I wouldn't be on this path if God didn't want me here, you know? And if there were all these blocks, like if I, I feel like I would feel like I'm going down the wrong path if I was, and I never did. I just felt like it wasn't happening yet. You feel
4: like you'd be hitting roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, resistance.
3: Yeah. Just not feeling like it's right. Yeah. And I've uh, failed, failed, but then one more door would open or this thing led to this. And so I just like kept hanging in there, whether it was like... Following it. Yeah. Yeah being, working at a label, working at a publishing company, being whatever it was, just like staying in music, there was just always a door that was open. So I felt like if God wanted me to not be doing this, he would have closed all the doors and I would have known. So it's just like trusting him going, okay, you, you want me here. (laughs) So I'm going to do it for myself and for you, you know? And if, if you don't want me here, I will know it.
4: And do you believe that he would have opened another door somewhere else?
3: A hundred percent. So yeah. you
4: believe in your heart that he will guide you. Yes. With the doors so he opens trust, and
3: closes. If you trust him.
4: And sometimes those doors closing are, it's like a painful. Horrible. Yeah. painful road. Yes. And it's so, not like he makes it all shiny and pretty. No. And
3: sometimes, sometimes, a lot of times I fight it, you know, like I'm like, no, I don't want to do this, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, I just feel like you, you have a gut feeling and it's always right. And sometimes we have that gut feeling and we know it, but then our mind talks you into something else. And so you just have to have faith that that's the right decision, you know, and the right path.
4: So what has always been your goal, ultimate goal? Like, cause all these career journeys that you've been on that have been so amazing, like, and have ultimately, like, it's been, they've all led to where you are now, but what was your goal always from the beginning? I've always wanted to be a songwriter.
3: That was it. Not even, not even singer. Like, I mean, I wanted to be a singer, but if I like my heart was songwriting and I wanted to make music that people would hear and be affected by because music's helped me so much in my life going through whatever you go through there's always music and so I just thought god if I could do that you know if I could make music that touches people that would just be everything I want
4: how did it feel when you were nominated for song of the year with she don't love you she's just lonely with Eric Pasley? It's crazy was that like all your dreams coming true yeah it really was and that song was so personal for you
3: yeah. And I think too, the same thing, like with your mind, you struggle with like, oh my God, I don't deserve this. Or like, how, why am I here? How oh, you, but then you're like, wait, no, I do. I do deserve this. It's the same thing where you kind of second guess yourself. And I think that's kind of a, probably a struggle for a lot of people is like, even when stuff comes to you, you're kind of like, oh, sh- do I deserve this? Am I really that good? I'm not, no, I can't be. That was just luck or, you know, yes. you just kind of, always second guess yourself so you kind of have to sometimes just enjoy the moment and say you know what I do deserve myself I mean I do deserve this and it's so funny I heard a um, an interview that Shania did and they were interviewing her in this be- big beautiful house that she got and the interviewer was like do you ever just like look around and think oh my gosh how did I get this you know house how, how did this all happen to me and she goes no I know exactly how I got this house. Like, I know exactly all the work that it took to get me this house, you know? And I love that because it's probably not the answer that you want. But it's like, no, I worked for this. You know, this didn't just fall into place. Like, I worked so hard for this. I love that. I thought that was so cool. I struggle with that
4: too, Jen. Like, I struggle with just feeling like I'm, I mean, I think you're way more confident than I am Mm because you got that iron trap mind. (laughs) But I struggle with not feeling like I'm worthy of things. And yeah. I don't know what that is cuz it's I just feel like I always second guess myself that I'm not good enough someone's better and there's always someone like some people are just so confident and they're yeah. just like this is me I've always meant to be here this is my role and I don't care I'll do whatever it takes but me I'm always like oh my gosh did they know I'm I'm here is I'm this the a mistake same way. yeah <laughs> they're going to find me
3: out and I'm going to get kicked <laughs> out <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> I seriously feel the same way I think it's I honestly think because you have empathy, you're an empath, me too. And like, we're always, we care so much, you know, and we're worried about other people and we're like, do I deserve this? But there's people out there that don't have it. And like, why am I getting it? You know? And I think that that's a lot part of it too, is that you really feel like you're, you're not just taking it going, yeah, I deserve to be here. Like, you're like, no, my gosh, you're working for it and you feel, you feel for other people, you know? I wish I wasn't like that sometimes. Do you? Me too. I wish I hated animals. (laughs)
4: Jen and her mom. This is a funny story. One time Jen and her mom were in a grocery store and they spent like two hours chasing a bird out of the store because they didn't want it to be trapped in there.
3: I probably shouldn't be telling this story because it's documented, but the other night it's like animals find me because... uh, They know you'll save them. Yeah. So I'm driving down my street to get home and I went to meet Jackie out for uh, drinks and I had had two drinks, and I normally never drink and drive. I only Uber. Like, I will Uber everywhere, but this was so close. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to drive home. I've had two drinks. And I'm driving home, and there's a baby raccoon in the middle of the street, and and it's not moving. And I'm like, oh, my God. Here, And this has happened to me with possums. I mean, I'm the one that stops and saves them. <laughs> yes. And so I'm stopped on the side of the road, and these cars are, like, rushing by, and I'm, like, Stop. stopping traffic to save this baby raccoon. And I'm like, oh, if a cop comes... Like, I'm going to get a DUI. <laughs> I could either go home right now and leave the raccoon and not get a DUI, or I could stay here with the raccoon and, like, risk getting a DUI, even though I really don't think I had I'm enough sure to get a you DUI. Over. But I remember having that thought where I'm like, screw it. I'm going to get a DUI. So what would you do? Oh, God. It was i called every animal thing no one was answering and it wasn't moving
4: even when you walked up to it
3: no and then i did something dumb and pet it because i was like maybe it will let me like take it and so i pet it and it hissed but it didn't bite so it had gotten hit by a car i think so and so i read on all these like um websites that you go back and you get a um, box and you cover it with a blanket and pick it up and um then I could take it to an animal place the next morning. But by the time I went back, I went and got my box from a wine that I bought. And <laughs> had a big old box <laughs> of Camus. <K-mas. laughs> Perfect. The raccoon was going to go in a Camus box. I <laughs> love it. And by the time I got back, it had, I don't know, walked right. away. I don't, I don't know. It wasn't there anymore.
4: Well, that's good. I know. Hopefully,
3: well, hopefully it's okay.
4: Maybe you woke him up.
3: <laughs> yeah, maybe I woke him up. <laughs> but that happens to me all the time. It happened to me with the possum, too, on that same street. And I waited there in the rain. It was when we were having an ice storm, and it was just happening. And I was just getting poured on. And I just sat with the possum until the animal control came <laughs> and got him. So that's how crazy I am.
4: I think that's really sweet, though. <sighs> are you gonna, like, chase stray dogs around the neighborhood. And oh, yeah. They are you all... still waking up looking at the sights to see which strays are missing and, like, chasing them down?
3: No, luckily, because I'm not home enough to do that. Yeah, anymore, yeah. <laughs> but my mom ha- has taken one of mom's them. Is your the same way? Oh, she's the same way. But Bo now is like I rescued a pit bull, and somehow we got him to California on a plane when they wouldn't allow pit bulls on planes. Because Jen and her and he talking, was you covered talk in mange. He I mean, oh my gosh! And so we got him to Malibu, and now he's living the life on the beach so for he's four living years. It. Yeah. <laughs> God.
4: Okay, so tell me how you've gotten to where you are now. So after started off tennis you started off moving doing solo things we got together we formed a band did Amazing Race then you also after Amazing Race you were pursuing another band for a little while too or-
3: yeah uh-huh. I was in uh, it was called Darlington Abbey with Josh um he's an incredible dobro player but um I just kind of I guess just kept writing was like the main thing and then that Eric Pasley song really kept me going because my publishers signed me again because of that And so, um, and then Benny Brown, who was head of Broken Bow at the time, he saw Naomi sing and he had heard about my songwriting and you, and that's kind of how it all happened. really songwriting, I feel like. Yeah. It's kind of what. Yeah. And then, um, joined that band, which is Runaway June. And that was five. Years ago, was five six, years ago or six years ago I think five years ago
4: that's crazy
3: but even that I mean it's been a long road for us I mean we have this is our third single and girls that came Maren came after us I mean so many girls came after us that just skyrocketed and we just have been like waiting for <laughs> waiting for the moment that we're gonna make it and uh finally this year we've had we just had our first top 10 single. But you did
4: break history with your first single because y'all yeah. were like... Which we
3: wrote together. I was, so, Car- th- I was
4: so lucky and grateful to be a part of that.
3: <laughs> and so Caroline and I wrote Lipstick, our first single together, and also our title track of Which our album, Blue song. Roses. It's so pretty. It's beautiful. It's my favorite song it's in the album. So pretty. Um, but so y'all
4: were breaking history though. Even yeah. though you didn't have like a number one or top 10 or whatever, you, a trio, a female trio hadn't had a top 25 in since like the and Dixie Chicks. 10 years, Chicks.
3: yeah. That was crazy. So
4: that was like, okay, you're already getting some cred. Yeah. But then- and
3: we were, do- we were getting awesome. Like we got nominated for, um, ACM new vocal group of the year two times. We were getting, you know, recognition. Yeah. Recognition. Um, and you know, I think for us just being out there, grinding it out on the road and figuring out like what we like to play live, what people like to hear live, It just took a lot of growth on the road for us to get to where we are now. And I feel like now you could just put us in any situation and we're like, we've been there, done that. We could play anything. We could have any sound problem, any whatever problem could happen. Isn't that nice to be at that point? Yeah. And it feels good because you're like, you know what? I worked for this. You know, I feel, I feel confident and comfortable, comfortable because I've been in this situation a thousand times before. And you you three
4: now know how to work together in all situations. Yeah.
3: and also, like, having people like Carrie, who... Underwood. Uh, Carrie let's Underwood. Let's not forget
4: that. Yeah. Y'all been on tour with Carrie Underwood all year.
3: It's been amazing. But sh- having people like her she's been such kind a nice of give you credit, you, like right. her stamp of approval, that just means everything. And I feel like that all the people, John Party that did it, all the people that have helped us in our career, it's just kind of like little things that have gotten us to this point. And it's just... Uh, it's a crazy feeling feel very grateful for the community and like the people that have reached out and helped. And I feel like we could do that too. You know, like Mm -hmm. every, every female too, especially that kind of breaks through, I feel like we're breaking down doors for people up and coming new artists behind us. You know,
4: is it hard being a female in country music? Do you feel that?
3: I don't I don't think it's hard because we're kind of in our own world and we just go play, you know, we do what we do, but I think when you look at the charts, you definitely see like this is there's a definite lack of females on there. <laughs> I think there's three females right now in the top 30. It's us, Carrie and Miranda. And it's just like it's that's not enough. <laughs> no. You know, so I don't th- I don't necessarily feel like it's hard. I just feel like there's an obvious lack of of um female airplay and also not just radio but on fairs and festivals you know and and tours and mm-hmm. i just feel like um we all have been talking about it so long but like we need to just start doing, doing stuff I like agree. carrie she just did it she's like i'm taking two female acts out on tour you know and yes. i feel like that's the next step i feel like for this year changes. and next year just everybody like start ma- yeah so it's the conversation has been had and it's tired and, established, yes. and it's tired yes so
4: now let's just do yeah it. Speaking of top 30, though, how does it feel to have that top 10 single? It feels amazing. I mean. <laughs> I will say. When y'all came out and uh, buy my own drinks, I was like, if this song does not go all the way, then
3: I'm shocked. I have your voicemail saved because <laughs> I, I have I, – I've deleted all my voicemails, but I specifically saved that one because it was one of the coolest voice mail voice messages I've ever gotten. And she called and she was like, Jen, this is the one. This is it. It's the one. And I have it. I'm you like, did? yeah, I'm going to keep it forever. Oh, and you teary. were right.
4: You, well, it just felt so good. It was so positive and it's women empowerment, but it's not male bashing. No, we it's, love our men. You love your men, but you also freaking love yourself. Yeah. And it's like, you're just as capable to have a great time and do your own thing as as you are with or without a man
3: and friends like the beginning line it was like i called my friends they can't go out like it's like you don't need your friends you don't need a man you don't need anyone to make yourself happy you can make your your own self happy and it's saying just for the night it's like you know what i'm still not over this guy i'm just gonna be by myself tonight i'm not gonna just jump into something else you know it's just like i think you said it best you said it's self-love it is Song about self-love my favorite line is, I can be my own boyfriend. I was like, I can be my own boyfriend. I was like, yes, you can yes, be your own boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> and you should be your own boyfriend. We seriously just die every time we sing that line. We just know what's going to happen in the crowd. And it's so the funny. the women just scream. Oh, and the guys love it, too. They're like, heck, yeah. They're like, heck,
4: yes. <laughs> Everybody loves it. It's so good. Oh, yeah. it's so good. I'm so happy for you. Happy. And just like your whole journey to get here and to have stuck with it and to never give up stay mentally strong. It's just a testament to don't give up. It is. If I, if I can do it. Because you've <laughs> been here since you were 23. Mm-hmm. 23 years old. So how many record deals have you had? Uh, Three. Three record deals mixed with a million jobs.
3: Yeah. <laughs> in the entertainment industry. A, a song plucker, a radio rep. I mean, we've done it all. You too. But it's just like, you could have easily quit any
4: of those times and just been like, this is too hard. I'm not going to do this. I wanted to a lot.
3: <laughs> but what what kept you going because you knew that you would get here? Did you know I, you'd get here? I did and I didn't. Like, I feel like, you know, you have to know. Like I said, it's in your gut. You have mm-hmm. to know that you can do it. But your mind will be like, oh, but you really can't. But you're like, no, I can. But you had to know
4: a lot at least you had to know pretty strongly because this is a hard thing to keep going for if you don't strongly feel it. I think I'm just stubborn.
3: <laughs> you got that John Wayne gene. I, I think I'm like very stubborn. <laughs> but I really tr- truly believe too that like I was telling you about my faith in God if if my journey was going to change even if I wasn't going to make it how I wanted to make it it was going to lead me to what I was supposed to be doing. And that's really what I believed, even still to this day. It's like, whatever I'm doing now is for a reason. I'm here for a reason. Yeah. And I'm on the right path. So you trust it. Yeah. I I I feel like you have to, or else it's impossible.
4: Do you kind of like being in an industry that forces you to trust that much in God?
3: Yeah, I mean for me that's everything and I feel like especially country music we're like a family and that's what's so special about it and we talk about God, you know, or so in this day sometimes it's not the coolest thing to talk about, but yeah, faith is so important and I feel like this whole community kind of embraces that and I think it's wonderful. What's
4: one of the moments that you think about back on your life that just makes you smile from ear to ear and brings you so much joy when you think back on it?
3: My dogs. <laughs> Every time I've rescued a dog, (laughs) (laughs) that's really honestly the truth. I like, that's also songwriting is what I love, but I really want to make a change for animals and I would love to um, start a sanctuary for old dogs that get, kind of thrown out when they're older and I just want them to have like a good life at the end, you know, and be loved at the end. Cause I think that's everyone adopts new dogs and new puppies, but all the old ones kind of get left behind. <laughs> so that's what I want to do. I love that. So I got to make some, make some money to do that. <laughs> <laughs>
4: so that's like your, goal. that's my goal. That's your charity. Yeah. And, you wanna, you, and it's always been dogs. Yeah.
3: And I love kids, obviously. I mean, kids, kids and dogs are, are everything, but I feel like God definitely put dogs, dogs in my heart for a reason because probably so many people have kids on their heart, you know, I I think he definitely put that on my heart for a reason.
4: What does success mean to you? After everything that you've seen growing up with John Wayne as your grandfather, like, you have seen success, and you have been on your own journey of major highs, major lows. What is success for you at this point?
3: Not giving up. (laughs) Seriously, like, to me, when I look back, I'm, like, so proud of myself for that. Obviously, there's all these accomplishments that you create, that you've that happened. But for me, I'm like, wow, I never gave up. And that's success. You know, you could have to fail is to not get up when you do fail, you know, and failing is a part of success. All those things lead to it. So I feel like not giving up. is like, that's, that's the coolest part.
4: If you had to pick a song for your theme song of life, what would it be?
3: Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, My favorite song of all time is Don't Worry Baby by the Beach Boys. I love that. And I'm a worrywart. You (laughs) are? What do you worry about? Everything. (laughs) You do? Everything. No. I mean, uh, yes. It's crazy.
4: (laughs) But Uh, you don't seem like you worry. You're just an internal worrier. Oh, yeah. You don't speak your worries.
3: No. I just, in my brain, just think about every single thing like, that could ever happen. Like
4: what? Like natural disasters, Do- like dogs, your career? Yeah. What?
3: Everything. Dogs, <laughs> career, my mom, my every- friends. I mean, just is everything.
4: Are you on constant replay with worry? Yes. Jin. I know. But your faith is so strong.
3: No, I know. So you've got to get to the God. I've battled with that the <laughs> most. That's why wine really helps me. <laughs> um, but it's so funny that song. William um I was engaged once and he asked me to marry him during that song and so now I'm like don't worry baby yeah so it kind of ruined my favorite song so my goal is to now find a moment with that song that can change that memory okay so I think that's what my I got to figure that out
4: what is love to you now at this point after all the things, because you've had, you're so loving, and you've had a lot of love and friendships, men. I mean, you've, you know, you've, you're a loving person. What does love mean to you? You obviously have been engaged.
3: Hmm. Um. I don't know. I guess love means being kind and caring, and um, I think I, I think like you, like how I was saying, you're an empath. I think I am too. It's just, I, you know, I'm always wanting to help wanting to help people. And I think sometimes that's gotten me in trouble because I find people that I want to help save. And Yeah. Save. And, and That's viral. You yeah, want to save
4: them. Exactly.
3: <laughs> like, Oh, I see you deep down underneath all these terrible, terrible traits. I no, I don't know why, but it, it must be something.
4: Cause you see the best in everyone.
3: Yeah. It's, you, gonna... it's a beautiful thing, but I'm going to just take... work on saving dogs now instead of men <laughs> and save myself <laughs> for a year or two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I do think love is like um, the first thing I can think of is kindness. I think that's love is so much, but being kind to one another and, and caring for
4: people and animals. Okay, so what's on your bucket list? Now that you are in a hit trio, breaking records, on tour with Carry, you're writing songs are in the top ten. I mean,
3: you're doing the deal. So what's left? Well, bucket list music-wise, it would be – Unbelievable to be nominated for a Grammy and win and win. Let's just win yes. it. Oh, totally. <laughs> but I just think having that honor would be just unbelievable. Um, and then, non music wise, I really want to go to India. I've always wanted to go to India. I want to do a mission trip there and I just haven't been able to do it. But that's like been on my heart since I was a kid and I have no idea why. Um, that and I want to go see Machu Picchu, which you've done. That's so awesome. So, those are my bucket lists.
4: What's the greatest advice you've ever gotten?
3: My aunt basically saying don't give up, but she was like, listen, you're moving to Nashville. You want to be a solo singer. She was like, just a little advice for you take any opportunity that comes with music. She's like, don't not take it because it's not exactly what you want. She was like, if you get a red bike and you wanted a black bike, you can still ride a bike, you know? (laughs)
4: Really good advice. And so
3: I never forgot that because it was like, oh, maybe I wanted to, I moved here to be a solo singer, but maybe that wasn't my path. Maybe I was supposed to be in a trio or, or maybe it was a songwriter. Maybe it was working for a record label, like whatever it was in music. She just said, be open to it. Maybe not being exactly what you wanted, but be open to those Opportunities, And I feel like I could have said no to so many because it wasn't Exactly perfect. what you had
4: put together in your mind. Yeah.
3: And it was tough. Yeah. You know, And but we said you and me said yes <laughs> to everything.
4: That, we did say yes to everything. And it,
3: it, it meant being here. All that stuff got both of us here, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that was probably the best advice I've gotten.
4: Okay. So I would like to keep talking to you, but, I mean, it's time to wrap up. I always end with leave your light. So just all your journey that you've been on, everything you've gone through, obviously you've been inspiring us this whole hour, but what is something that you just want to share with people listening who maybe are lost right now, or who maybe are trying to find their dream, or who maybe feel like, I don't know, just they don't know what's next, or they're just looking for inspiration. What is something that you want to share that you have just, that you think could help
3: inspire people? That it's Okay. Like it's okay to feel that way because I feel like that's a struggle for me is I feel like I have to be perfect all the time and that's just not reality and that it's okay to feel that way. We all feel that way and it, like don't wallow in it, you know, just let yourself feel that way and, and trust yourself, trust your gut and just keep moving forward. But I feel like we beat ourselves up when things aren't okay and when it's not perfect and when we're not, you know, feeling like things are exactly what we want. I just think, to tell yourself it's okay. Like we've all been there and love yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Love yourself. And that's
4: hard to do sometimes. It's
3: really hard to do. Yeah.
4: Cause we see all the flaws when like
3: I look at you and I'm like, what could you not love about yourself? It's same. I feel like, and I feel like women, especially men too, but like we really do look at ourselves so differently than how we really are. So I think it's a good thing to kind of practice Loving yourself. And for me, I have to do it, it has to be like an intentional thing. Of course I love myself. I just do. How do you intentionally,
4: what what do you do? Like
3: intentionally, if you look in the mirror and you're like, ugh, I look fat or whatever, (laughs) I'm like, wow my legs, I can walk, I can run, I can, my legs are beautiful. They're strong. They get me places instead of thinking that they're fat. Yeah. (laughs) Like I intentionally change my feeling towards myself and it, and I have to, it has to be intentional because my brain will just go there. Yeah. It'll just go to the negative about yourself. So every single day I just try to be intentional with loving myself. And like, would I tell that to my best friend? Like, no. Would I think that about my, would I, Think that about my mom or whatever. No, you just, but yourself, you're so hard on yourself. So, kind of being intentional about that.
4: Why are we so hard on ourselves?
3: I, d- I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I hope it gets better as we get older. I hope so too. I do actually do feel like it's for me gotten better. I feel like when I was younger, I, I just totally picked myself apart so much and now I'm kind of like you know what extra five pounds like the extra five pounds that Brittany Aldean posted (laughs) did you mm -hmm. see those that was my favorite I'm like those are extra five pounds are the moments you're having ice cream with your husband or having pizza or having wine it's like don't be so hard on yourself yes and when you get older as I've gotten older I feel like it has gotten better like it's okay we're not perfect nobody's perfect (laughs) I know I know. Yeah.
4: Mine is, I'm always scared that people don't like me. Really? Uh Uh-huh. And everyone loves you. But I'm always scared that, I don't know what it is that people just don't like me. That there's like, they're like, oh, we don't really like Caroline.
3: (laughs) Isn't that weird? Yeah. Because everybody loves you. But in my you're such a light and you're like, what you're doing, you're spreading light. You even end it with that, you know, spreading light. I think it's because I know my insecurities
4: and my insecurities feel ugly to me. So I feel like... Everyone must know them. And so, like, I'm like, oh, everyone must know my insecurities. And so since they know them, they, they don't like me. Yeah. But really, everyone has insecurities. We
3: all do. Uh, well, it's crazy because uh, I actually wrote a song yesterday we, with um, my man. And we it's called Pretty Beautiful. And it's saying, like, all these things that are beautiful are not on the outside. It's like, you're pretty strong. You're pretty heart. You're everything that's, that's beautiful is on the inside and we look so much on the outside. And so it's crazy. I, I, we all pick ourselves apart and what you're seeing is ugly. Is not you're, you're you, it's beautiful, you know, but Mm -hmm. you're looking at yourself going, oh my gosh, that's ugly, but it's not, it's you. I know.
4: So we just gotta, we gotta give ourselves grace. Don't be so hard on ourselves. Yeah. I love that
3: yeah That's and really love yourself
4: advice. love ourselves
3: and for me being intentional with it because it, it, it's like a practice everyday like be intentional with loving yourself
4: Jin Wen for president <laughs> oh, no i
3: <laughs> <No. laughs> being a worrywart oh god no you'd no. be a great president you'd save all the
4: animals, the kids we'd have world peace oh, because you can lay that hammer down too I'm telling you <laughs> <laughs> it's good <laughs> uh, move over Trump <laughs> you're coming in <laughs> Well, I love you, Jen. Thank I you for coming you on my I'm podcast. I'm
3: so proud
4: of you. I'm so proud of you. Thanks. It's, it's been fun. A fun journey. It together. has. It has been. This life journey with you has been
0: great. It has been. Okay, I love you. <laughs> Bye. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A. And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God.